and welcome to the Lost World Minute. Midwife Minute Podcast with 997 Sequel Jurassic Park, one minute time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today here we'll discuss Minute 50 of the Lost World. Mm-hmm. 50 episodes. 50 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Milestone. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, um, what is it? 100, 129 uh, minute movie? Uh, 204. 204. Yeah. I can't remember. I always... Uh, I can't remember if it's 209 or 204. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere around there. As as I've said in the introduction, which I hope no one's gone back and listened to because the audio wasn't the best, uh, watching the uh, Region 4 video, or version of the DVD. Um, so times will change, Brent, with mm-hmm. uh, all that sort of stuff that happens there. But, um, yeah, we give the uh, the recap of what happens in the minute we're talking about at the... Uh, in the podcast, so you know where we are if you do want to watch her along at home. And mm-hmm. um, to help celebrate 50, we're having Listener Week next week, where we're going to dedicate yeah. an episode to listener questions, listener feedback, and uh, all the good things from your listeners. Mm-hmm. No answer. What a surprise. How do I get done? Tie this belt around you. Where are you going, Dad? Can you stay here? Come on, stay here, Dad, please. Dad, Squeeze this real hard. The harder Hello? you squeeze, the slower Hello? you go. Uh-huh. You don't you squeeze going? at all. I got the idea. I got the idea. Personally, I would have squeezed just a little bit harder. We got another question from a listener over on Instagram. Yep. The question is if we'll ever see the Rex family again altogether in future films. Hmm. Yeah, there was a um, there was a question sort of similar to it on social media recently. I've seen too about uh, the legacy of the T Rex and uh, mm-hmm. even even if the uh, Nublar Rex doesn't survive or doesn't come back for a third film. Um, whether her legacy will live on because we've got, well, at this stage it wouldn't be an infant, um, would have adult Rexes as it's possibly the the male and the female T Rex on Sauna are, uh, I'd assume, probably dead, um, just because there's more predators on Sauna um, and more of that natural. Uh, natural progression mm, uh, i would always i've always been kind of curious to see um and i mentioned this before like a really old male and i think if they used the baby t-rex from the second movie it would be a great chance because it'd be older now yep. he, he did lost a lot of his color and kind of be just a molded brown or a molded uh, blackish and green coloration and just be gnarly scars all over his face one kind of one leg thicker than the other so i can tell that this its leg was busted at one point in his life. Yeah, yeah. You know? I think uh, Sue had that. Uh, the T Rex Sue has one leg that's thicker than the other because her she broke her leg uh, early in her life. Oh, interesting. And she killed over. Yep. Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah, you can you can see that there's kind of this jagged bit of bone that fused over into the other bone, and so. And so the one leg would have been a bit thicker than the other leg. And I think that'd be cool to see in a male T-Rex in one of the next Jurassic World movies. Mm -hmm. Just this really old, gnarly, ugly male. We can tell that just little hints of that this was the baby from the Lost World, you know? Yeah. Something with its eyes, you know? Something about the color of its eyes or something like that. Yeah, no, that that would be good. Um, I don't... They've said... Colin and have said they want to get away from the ions and um, yeah. we're going back to Nublar in Fallen Kingdom 
Mm-hmm. Whether Sauna's got anything to do with that, whether Sauna's going to have any other anything else to do with um, the story going ahead into the franchise, mm-hmm. it's up in the air. We don't know. We're not the ones making the decisions, but would, I'd, I'd certainly love to return to Sauna, even if it's just a, a final send-off there, um, just to see yeah. what's happening. Yeah, I was talking to a friend, and it was kind of one of those friend of a friend kind of deals who had seen one of the earlier scripts for Fallen Kingdom. Yep. And um, he, I tried to ask him if he knew Sorna was mentioned at all, or if um, it played a part in the movie at all, and he just didn't know. He'd, yeah. He finished getting all the details from his friend, so he, because he didn't want to be spoiled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's sort of the franchise has been built on the T Rex. Um, mm-hmm. It was, it was the big the big girl from the first one. The logo, apart from Jurassic Park 3, the, the T-Rex is in the logo for the films. Even yeah. now, sort of, um, so many years removed, there are DVD and Blu-ray releases coming out now where the Spinosaur logo is being replaced with the original T-Rex logo. Yeah, I'm not really sure how I feel about that. I mean, I know Spinosaurus, a lot of the fandom are kind of pissed off at it still, but... I mean, it was 15 years ago, time to let it go, you know? Yeah, yeah, and it's sort of, it's a different artistic choice. Um, yeah. I, of, I mean, it was bold at the time, you know? Yeah. It was a bold move. Yeah. It reflects on the film, uh, how it's sort of a little bit disjointed, it doesn't really know what it wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's that, that, like, that brushed aluminium look. Um, yeah. With the silver on it and that, and even the... Mm. Uh, Sort of the teaser poster and that with the uh, or the background with the uh, pterosaur or pterodon mm. um, shadow and yeah, and the pterodons are over the little jungle in the bottom of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just yeah. it's it's more so why is it called Jurassic Park Three when it should have been called <laughs> something else because again we're not right. back on Nublar but but no I'd definitely oh. love to see the the Rex family again they wouldn't look. Uh, like we know them um, yeah. through age, but there's no there's no reason why. Um, maybe even a story, it, it probably wouldn't make for a good movie, but just the, the population controls getting out of hand. Um, mm-hmm. like it'd be good to see a nest with five or six babies in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, a friend of mine, and he does the, um, the Copperlets podcast. Uh, a friend of mine by the name of Marty Kevill... Uh, he does the Proper Lights podcast and with uh, David Perdue and all them. He and I were thinking of ways when we were doing the uh, Jurassic Park Legacy Comic-Con booth, we were, o- we were always brainstorming ideas on how they could possibly make Jurassic World before we really had plot ideas. And a lot of our plot ideas involved stuff like poaching around the islands and stuff like that. Yep. You know? Stuff like, because uh, it was, or even a blackfish kind of thing. Stuff that would really kind of invigorate the idea of debate, as Jurassic Park has always been founded on, mm-hmm. and these kind of scientifically thought, well thought out, smart ideas, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a if they're going to return to the uh, Oz, I'm sure we're going to see the T Rex again. Because mm-hmm. um, then, because it also leads to the thing too. There's some people that don't even realise that the. Uh, the T-Rex we see here in the Lost World isn't the same one as Jurassic Park. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I have encountered that, actually, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've even encountered people who didn't even realize that they were on a different island. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so, no, nah, I'm, I'm sure we're going to see a lot more T-Rex going into the future. 
Oh, I definitely hope we do because, I mean, like you said, T-Rex has really been the star of this franchise, mm. especially in the Lost World, was where I kind of, as a child, fell in love with T-Rex just yeah. because it's been featured so predominantly in this movie. A lot of people are like, oh, it's T-Rex, overload, too much T-Rex. I'm like, wait, that's heresy, man. You can't have, you can't ever have too much T-Rex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and that's it. Go back to those couple episodes we had Jay Jurassic on as well. Um, uh-huh. His love of the T-Rex as well. Yeah. And just brought to life so well in these films by the animatronics oh, they do. Yeah. In fact, I mean, even Spielberg knew that T-Rex was the star of these movies, and that's why he made an effort to change the ending of Jurassic Park to include the T-Rex. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, the whispers early on the T-Rex was actually going to die in the end of it too. Oh, really? Yeah, um, Kathleen Kennedy was talking in one of those behind-the-scenes... I can't remember where she was talking about now. It might be that one that I can't find where she says that... or where it's confirmed that George Lucas actually directed that end scene while Spielberg was away doing Schindler's List. Hmm. But I've never been able to find it again to prove it. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... Yeah, we'll, we'll just leave that in a little secret locked up box we won't touch it again <laughs> until, until I can find the feature and if anyone knows the feature I'm talking about please let me know so I don't sound yeah. like a complete madman <laughs> oh no no this is nothing like that we're in a completely different situation right now speaking of madmen you're uh, ready to get back uh, get into minute 50 sure radio in the previous minute, with the cries of the baby filling the trailer, Kelly wanted to get out somewhere safe and somewhere high. Ian took her to the hide, and they went up to the top of the trees. As we open minute 50, Ian's reassuring her that we're up high. This is the safest place we can be. At 49 minutes and 20 seconds, after trying to reassure Kelly, the deafening roar of the T-Rex can be heard. At 49 minutes and 29 seconds, Ian kills the lights and asks Seti if there's any way they can communicate with the trailers. At 49 minutes and 35 seconds, Eddie hands Ian the phone and we cut back to the trailers. Nick wants to give the baby ball morphine, but Sarah doesn't want her because she doesn't know the animal's metabolism. At 49 minutes and 45 seconds, we cut back to the hide, and there's no answer on the phone. What a surprise. Ian then asks Eddie, how does he get down? And they begin putting on a repelling harness. As we end the minute, Eddie's telling Ian, the harder you squeeze, the slower you go. You don't squeeze at all. And this ends the 50th minute of The Lost World. We ended here where we ended with minute 49 with uh, Eddie telling Malcolm the frequency of the boat. Um, mm-hmm. And we get uh, Ian telling Kelly, we're high, we're safe. As Sarah said, these plants will make it as if the animals don't even know we're here, which is a nice little mm-hmm. callback to the novel. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm not sure if I can even see any plants on the high high. It looks like they just have a couple ghillie nets. Well, and that's, yeah, in the novel, because it was sort of aluminium struts, it sort of shone brightly mm-hmm. in the sun and um, didn't really blend in where they got and chopped a lot of foliage down, actually put on mm-hmm. the high high itself to mask it and blend it a little bit. Um, yeah. Whereas here, yes, the the steel's sort of painted, or the metal's painted a darker colour, and the uh, 
They've got the netting all over it. It was painted with, I mean, the hi hat in the novel was painted with like a shiny metallic black. And that's, and you could smell, and Levine actually said you could smell the paint. That's why he he um, got the ferns to cover up the smell in the site. Oh, yeah, yep. It'll also explain why the raptor sort of sniffs up when they uh, mm-hmm. attack the hide as well. Yeah. But yeah, as you said, it's sort of like it's got the netting over it. It's not really close to anything. Um, no. I'm guessing just the surrounding foliage, maybe poisonous. Yeah, I think that's what he's talking about. Yeah, but uh, Kelly's not buying it. And I remember the stories you told. And Ian's mm-hmm. like, oh no, 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 this is a completely different situation, and cut off by yeah, the roar. <laughs> <laughs> I love that first roar that we gave. It's just so atmospheric. Yeah. It's this roar rolling across the island and across the trees, and everybody knows what it means. Yeah. Audience, the characters, everybody. Yep. And it that might add to the confusion a little bit too, because it, it's pretty much the exact same roar from the uh, breakout scene. Yeah. But it's just great hearing that. We haven't seen the T-Rex yet. We've heard a lot about them. Mm-hmm. We've heard them, heard them mentioned, but uh, here they come. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great return. Yeah, yep, certainly is. But uh, Malcolm sort of stands up straight and Eddie turns the lights off. And uh, is there any way we can communicate with the trailers? Um, and he's staring eyes as large as saucers all around, waiting to see like a T-Rex coming out and attacking the high hide. Because that does actually happen. There was a uh, or not does actually happen that um. In the, early, in the early script when they had the Dr. Justin character, I think that's may have been how they got rid of him or were planning on getting rid of him because there's a storyboard art in the making of that shows Dr. Justin falling out of the um, out of the high hide. Uh, okay. And yeah, I need to... Attack it. Yeah, I need to get caught up on that. I've, I stopped reading where we got to the, uh, the Hunter's Camp being mm-hmm. sabotaged. That's where I stopped. I've got to get back onto that script and finish reading it. Uh, but yeah, we get a, um, a nice close-up here too if the camera's on the hide while the two are talking. Um, mm. Eddie hands Zoom a phone, which is just attached to the side of the hide. <laughs> Again, radio radio phone maybe. We're not... Uh, yeah. We didn't see him run a cable out. No, it's not like they had Wi-Fi back then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's just sort of interesting now... now out of all of it, um, the danger of the situation sort of hits them. We'd have been running backwards and forwards in the jungle, driving mm-hmm. around the jungle at night time. Um, I'm sure Sarah could could have easily said that uh, a lot of these predators are nocturnal. Um, yeah. There's a reason. There's a reason why we haven't seen many animals during the day. It's because they're nocturnal, and we do not want to be outside at all at night time. But mm-hmm. well, um, that was actually uh, something that we saw early in the previous script. The old script was, it was a scene right out of from the novel where uh, Sarah is viewing these lions and then, or no, these hyenas. Yeah. The lions take the kill and then the phone rings and it's, it's Ian and she, and the phone rings and every, you can see every single eyeball in the entire savannah <laughs> straight at them. Yeah. They're watching it through this, these night vision goggles just like in the novel and it's kind of an eerie scene. Yeah, yep. And yeah, the assistant didn't turn the phone off. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of um, one time when I was camping, me and my dad and the rest of the group, we were all out walking in this cornfield, 
that we used to camp on this guy's property next to a cornfield. Mm-hmm. And so we ran into this pack of coyotes, and so all that we saw on our flashlight, eight, like eight feet from us, eight, nine feet from us, was just like four pairs of eyeballs staring straight back at us. Yeah. <laughs> and we backed up and like, we're out. Yeah. <laughs> back camp. Because we used to do these things called the midnight walk. And we go out and kind of steal uh, squash from the guys, uh, from the guys' personal garden. <laughs> <laughs> squash and a couple tomatoes, and we'd pillage the guys' garden and <laughs> and use the ingredients to make uh, breakfast the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, you uh, you get the similar thing over here too on the water. If you uh, shine a good light up along it, and you get like crocodile eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terrify me. Yeah, like a piece of water. You, a piece of water you'd sort of... You wouldn't see anything all day and sort of think, oh, this is good. Probably even swimming mm-hmm. in it during the day and then at night time you go and shine a torch up and there's just ten sets of eyes littering up the banks and you're like, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sleeping in the car tonight. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the worst thing... They'd probably terrify me because we don't have crocodiles around here. Yeah. At least not on this side of the country. The worst we get is the occasional uh, cougar or mountain lion, or that is, and even the occasional wolf on very rare occasions will wander its way into our into the Chicago area. Well, mm. even a wolf yeah. pack or something like that'd be just as scary too. Yeah, but I mean they're very rare. They rarely happen. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, we cut back to the trailers and the phone ringing, <laughs> a little red light flashing yeah. on it. Um, Nick wants to give the baby more morphine. Sarah doesn't know what the metabolism is. Yeah, which is a very good point. And that kind of comes up later in the movie when Roland tries to drink the T-Rex. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And it's sort of, it's one thing too, that this whole time the baby's moving, so it's never actually knocked out completely. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think he starts fighting more, which is the reason why Nick... Wants to get rid, wants to give it more morphine because it's starting to wake up from the last doses they gave it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure in the novel that's one thing where they try and give the baby back. It's actually not, not uh, sort of fully. Yeah. The, the, I think the parents smash their faces through the windows. I don't think the windows are barred. Uh, I can't remember if the windows are barred in the novel. And so the mother or the father, one of the two, smashed their face through the window. And that's how they—that's pretty much how they get the baby back. Yeah. They just pick the baby up from their mouth, in their mouth from the table, and then they have to lick the baby awake until it makes a noise. Yeah, because they carry it back to, and put it up in a fork of a tree. Yeah. Which I mean, I always thought it was kind of weird because I mean that baby could very easily fall, and just did not seem like a very parental thing to do for to put your baby. In, up in a tree like that, you know? Yeah, especially how much it's squirming around here. Um, mm-hmm. But then it sort of it makes sense later on where we get the raptors on the scene and that's what actually draws the T-Rex away from the trails and not uh, like we're going to see here in a couple of minutes where they just, just disappear and come and go <laughs> as they please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it doesn't know what the metabolism is. Um, the monitors are back on the bench showing the dino data again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, Nick goes to answer the phone, and nobody picks up. Uh, Ian's like, no answer, what a surprise. And I know exactly how that feels, because my mom <laughs> never, ever, ever picks up her cell phone. 
Like if I if I was strapped to a chair and somebody told me the next person you call you die if they pick up the phone, I would call my mother <laughs> because I know for a fact she would never pick up her phone. <laughs> so I always say, whenever I call her and I don't get an answer, I'm like, no answer. What a surprise. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, because we got, we got Sarah saying, uh, Nick, I need your hand here, and pulls him away from the phone so he can't answer it anyway. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, cut back to the high height, as you said. No answer, what a surprise. And uh, how do I get down? <laughs> um, now, I'd understand he's got the uh, the climbing line and the harnesses there. Um, Eddie starts putting the harness on him mm-hmm. um, to uh, repel down from the high height. The, the harder the squeeze, the slower you go. Don't squeeze at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, Malcolm gets the idea. <laughs> all yeah. right, but we're going to find uh, out in the next I, minute. I'm that, not going to squeeze at all. Yeah, we're going to find out in the next minute that he uh, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't squeeze it at all. Um, and it's a great sound effect too when he hits the ground for FUD. <laughs> yeah, you kind of hear a snapping sound. Yeah, yep. yep. But uh, we'll um, get... We'll I'm get... not sure if that's like his leg or a tree or what. Yeah, yeah. On the way down. <laughs> and he is he is limping too when he sort of runs through. We see him running through the jungle here in the next minute as well. Exactly. But, so, no, he doesn't have the cane or the the limp. The injury isn't as uh, flushed out here as what it is in the novel either. So. No, or in the early script. In the early script, he did have the cane, and he was even um, doing leg exercises in. In the mobile field system's garage yeah. with his leg yep. to strengthen it. Yeah. All right, Dave. Anything else on fifty you want to discuss before we get out of here for the week? No, I think we're good. All right. Uh, as we said, yep. Just stay tuned to the social media next week, and uh, we'll start posting up some questions and uh, look forward to your feedback. Mhm. All right, guys. Let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. You can email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com, Facebook, The Lost World Minute, Twitter, at The Lost World Minute, and Instagram, The Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. Right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, Life will find a way.